News Talk On Demand. Interruption-free audio where you want it, when you want it. Happy Sunday, everybody. Hope you're having a great weekend so far. I'm Brittany Cafe, and I'm here with Rick Van Dyvendyke. Hey, Rick. Good morning, Brittany. How are you? I'm doing good. Gonna try and stay cool today. Here in Saskatoon, we do have a heat warning yet again. That seems to be a pretty fairly common occurrence right now. Um, so stay safe. It's also going to be nice and warm in Regina as well, of course. Uh, so with this heat, obviously, there are a lot of gardening questions on people's minds. Um, when it comes to watering in this heat, we've just got to keep doing our detective work, right? Right, Rick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now's a good day, actually, to water the grass. And, and you're going to see all these adults running through the sprinkler today. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, it won't just be the kids today. <laughs> it won't be, the, won't be the kids. It'll be the adults running through the sprinkler. It's funny because at the garden center, Brittany, uh, we, during these hot days, we turn the sprinklers on for watering the shrubs and trees because there's just so many. We turn yep. on the water in the morning and the evening when the customers aren't there. But these hot days, we turn them on in between sort of also. And it's funny watching the customers walk to the sprinklers. They actually yes. walk into the sprinklers and they say, and they just hold their hands out. They say, yes, this feels good. Who it's needs really, a pool when you can just yeah. go walk in the sprinklers? You kind of you get ready to run to the sprinkler to turn it off when they're walking that way. And, they, and they're all saying, no, don't turn them off. <laughs> oh, gosh, that's awesome. So with, yeah. with this heat, I know for our lawn and looking around our street, most of our neighbors' lawns, We've got quite a few brown patches, and we've really been babying our lawn this year. My husband, Tyler, was vying for best lawn on the street, uh, but we've got so many brown patches. Is that just from the heat, or what do we do to yeah. fix this? It, it can be from the heat, especially if you're watering just a little bit at a time all the time, and you're not getting the roots down deep. Yeah. If you get if you get the roots down deep, then, then they can sustain without having water quite a bit more often, right? It's just when you, you give it a, just a short watering, you don't want to water. You don't want to water so that the water's all running down the gutter. Okay, we don't want to waste water. But you uh, and sometimes what that means then is I call pulse irrigating, and that means you water for a short time, let it, let it soak, okay, and then turn it on again. So you, uh-huh. you even if you set your timers like that, I set my timers for the trees out in the, out in the nursery. Uh, they come on for basically an, an hour and a half during the day. Yeah. And but it comes on in 15 minute cycles, so it comes on for 15 minutes and then it goes to the next zone and then go next zone next zone next zone and then it comes back around and does another 15 minutes by that time the water soaked down and then the, the ground has absorbed the water and then then it can take some more without running down you know running it for an hour and a half at one time where most of the water just like when you get a two inch rain where's the most of the water go it doesn't soak into the ground it yeah. runs it runs away so you do that you do that uh, uh what i call pulse irrigating and you can do that for your shrubs and trees because you know what Brittany, when you're watering even your trees we all, I always tell people to water the drip line of the tree. So what I tell people when they're watering the big trees is put the hose out there on a little slow dribble. And then every 15 minutes, move that to a different spot around the drip line of the tree. And then that way you're not, because if you just turn the water, if you just hold in your hand and water full, full blast out of your hose, most of the water, you know, because there, you don't have a, a well like a, that holds the water, <coughs> excuse me, it, it, then you, um, uh, the water runs down the gutter or into the grass or in, or spreads out in a big space, right? So that you don't deep water to the trees. And you can think, Brittany, uh, you've got a 30-foot spruce tree or a big maple tree in your yard or an ash or whatever you have. These things are like 30 feet tall and, you know, 
20 feet wide with all those leaves. Think how much they're transpiring in this heat as well. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, really. It's basically like instead of if you're thirsty, instead of trying to chug a giant water bottle bottle full, just taking little sips throughout the day. Yep, throughout the day. Just keep your hydration up. And the same thing with the trees. But if you water deeper, then it has that reserve. And so I even tell for trees, big trees, one of the best things to use is what's called a Ross root feeder. And it's uh, you hook it under the garden hose and you can stick it into the ground. It has a spike about, you know, about two and a half feet long. And you can stick it into the ground and turn the water on. And then there again, every 15 minutes, just move it around the uh, the drip line of the tree. And then, then you soak the ground down deep. And now the roots can go down and grab that and have that reserve. doesn't matter how hot it is. It still can suck up moisture. And especially the spruces right now, Brittany, we're getting so many calls from these last two summers that it's been so hot that the spider mite have just gone crazy. So yeah. all the inside needles are falling off. And that's because there's so many spider mites, they love it when it's hot, but the tree doesn't have enough moisture to replace what they're sucking. And of course, then all the inside needles start falling off, especially from the bottom, inside, up and out. And so it's at the bottom of the t- bottom half of the tree or in the inside, you start losing all these needles. And uh, it's just from the spider mites just sucking. And they're just tiny. They're not a big spider. They're, you almost need a magnifying glass to see these spiders. And they just, there are just so many of them that they just keep sucking. They bite into the needle and they just keep sucking all the moisture right out. So keeping them, those big spruce trees, even though they're, you know, 50 year old, you know, 40 feet high spruce trees, you have to keep watering and it's important. Uh, and like I always tell people, Brittany, use that water moisture meter, which I call a piece of three eighths rebar because yeah. it has ribs on the side and you stick it into the soil, the drip line of the tree, whether it be a shrub whether it be your garden, whether it be your big tree, if you stick it into the ground, bring it up, you can actually, those ribs bring a little sample up and water by what the plant or the soil needs, not, don't go on a schedule. Don't say I'm gonna water every day, every second day, every third day, only water when the plants need moisture. So it should feel moist, not wet and not dry. Definitely. So with the brown patches on the lawn, would just being careful and consistent with your watering take care of those? Or should we be doing like an extra shot of fertilizer right now? What would you recommend to help take care of those brown patches? Yeah, there's some things showing up like red thread disease and those kind of things that are showing up. So those, the only way you can get rid of them is, is you can either use a product called Bordeaux. It's a fungicide. Mm-hmm. Okay. And this is because a lot of times when people are watering, they're watering at night. Yeah. And so when you water at night with this kind of heat and humidity, the, the moisture is staying on the leaves all night. The sun's not drying them off, right? And so um, so then that, that's when you get all the fungal. So you can use Bordeaux or otherwise you just, for, like with red thread, all I do is I, I basically go one and a half to two times my fertilizer rate. Okay. And I grow it out of it. And, uh, and also keep your lawn about two to, in the really hot days, Hot times go about two and a half inches long. That's where your grass should be. Don't cut it an inch long. Don't cut it. Move your wheels of your lawn more up, okay? Yeah. So that you, you keep it longer, keep it thicker, and uh, if you tr- if your grass is and then water so that you water deeper down. So even in your lawn, use that piece of rebar to check the moisture that it's not not dry down. You know, six inches down is dry. You know, you want a little bit of moisture down there because there's lots of roots down six inches down. So uh, if you do that, the grass has lots of 
lots of moisture to to uh, get through days like this is very important. Perfect. Okay, we have a timely text here from Marlene from Saskatoon. She's wondering: Is Bordeaux copper spray harmful to bees? Uh, it's no, as far as I know, it's not harmful to bees unless you're going to spray it right onto the bees, right? Okay. So, and I always tell people spray and don't spray any kind of uh, Bordeaux, like fungicides, insecticides, herbicides, anything like that in the middle of a hot day, okay? Because even, even Killex, let's say, that you're putting on kill weeds in the lawn will hurt your lawn if you spray it on your lawn in a really hot day. So got to do it early in the morning or, you know, um, I don't like doing it in the evening so much. So do it early in the morning. Or, or just wait a couple of days when this weather passes by. Another thing I wanted to say, Brittany, is that with everybody watering so much as well, uh, the, the fertilizer you put on for your lawns in the spring, it's done. It's gone. It's, yeah. it's leached out of the soil. So right now we're about the, you know, what are we, uh, about the 10th, 11th of July, yeah, right? So July now's, now's the time to put that other summer fertilizer down and put the fertilizer down and then... Um, uh, and then you you can put your fall application down. You do that and keep your lawn healthy, just like us, Brittany. If we have all our nutrients and everything else in our bodies, uh, if we eat properly, we can basically, our immune systems will help de- uh, defend us from a lot of different things, right? So yeah. that's why it's important to stay healthy and keep your plants and your lawn and everything healthy. And even your shrubs and trees, uh, we're talking about especially maples and birches and a lot of your trees, especially poplars, all that kind of stuff. Now, July fifteenth is around in this in this couple week and a, basically two week period right now is the last time you're going to fertilize those shrubs and trees for this season. So, um, using a thirty ten ten, a twenty twenty twenty, a twenty eight eight fourteen, whatever you want to use in a liquid where you mix with water and pour it around, you don't want to use a slow release fertilizer this time of the year anymore. Yeah. Unless you're putting it on the garden, that's fine because that's an annual. But any tree that's going to stay in the yard. Don't use a slow-release fertilizer. Use one that you mix with water now and give all those trees one last good fertilizing, and that'll put them through so that they will grow this summer yet, And then, but they won't grow so much that they, they need to get ready, especially your spruce trees. By August 1st, they're shutting down and setting their buds for next year. And if you force the fertilizer later on in August, September, they actually will ha- not be as hardy for the wintertime. So this two-week period right now is the last time you're going to fertilize a lot of your shrubs and trees and per- evergreens. Perfect. All right, we are going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. If you have a question at all, you can give us a call, one 332 8255 I see a few callers lining up, so we'll get to you right after this quick break. I'm Brittany Cafe here with Rick Van Dyvendyke, and you're listening to Garden Talk on 650. CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Brittany Cafe here with Rick Van Dyvendyke. If you've got a question about anything yard or garden related, you can feel free to give us a call. The number is 1 877 332 8255. Right now we have Frank on the line in Regina. Hi, Frank. Hello. What's your question? I have a Saskatoon bush in my backyard and it's sending up shoots off the, the roots. And I'm wondering, is there a way that I can take those shoots and transplant them? I tried earlier this year, and when I cut the shoot out, you know, it was on a piece of root, but there was really no root fiber on it. So I'm wondering, is there a way I can transplant it? Yeah, it's a hard one because you need some fiber, right? So sometimes the best way to do that is, um, is in the spring. 
mm-hmm. is that you actually what I call root pruning it. So you basically you basically cut it a little farther away from the uh, from the main plant, leave the plant in the ground, okay? Okay. And then wa- and water it, and then that root that's in the ground because you haven't disturbed it will send out little fibrous root systems, okay? Then okay, in the yep. fall, in the fall or the following spring, then you can transplant it. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that that makes sense. Yeah. So that's the best way to do that. And sometimes you can get a piece of root that does have fibers and it, it will transplant right away. But uh, in most cases, it's just coming up off of a, a basically a stick, right? And there's yeah. just no fibrous root system to support it. And so, uh, but if you are going to try to move them, move them as soon as the frost is out of the ground in the spring. That is the best time to move a Saskatoon, okay? Uh, not in the middle of summertime. It just won't work. Right. So in the spring, though, you're saying pet the the root yep. off, but yep. leave it in the ground, and then in the fall, then yep. move it. Yeah, and move it. And you can even do that in the fall once the leaves fall off the tree as well, okay? Okay. It does, doesn't really matter, but uh, but otherwise, if, it takes some time to do it, obviously, right? You're, you're not going to yep. you know cut it, leave it for a week. You've you got to leave it there for a season, but once it leaves out, leaves out you can't move it again, right? So uh, that that's the problem. Unless you can dig it up, with a ball of earth that's intact but if, usually what happens with a root like that the soil just falls right off and yep. then then the plant is in trouble okay perfect okay. thank you very much perfect thanks so You're much welcome. for the call frank all right we have paul on the line in saskatoon hi paul hey good morning you guys uh I, you kind of a, you kind of uh, gave me the answer at the beginning of the show about a pine tree uh, this is my my son just bought a house. He, there's a, he's got a forty foot pine tree in his backyard. He cleaned. He took out two big bags of needles. Yeah. Now under you can go to the base of the tree and look straight up, and you can see the top like it's dead about two yeah. three feet off the main trunk. Uh, can you save the tree or should he take it out? Oh no, it's fine. It's fine, completely fine. Just because the inside, the outside is so good, right? There's lots of growth on, on the, oh, yeah. you know, the, yeah. the outside half of the tree. Because you got to remember, there's two things I get them is spider mite is on the inside, okay, that's near the trunk and out to the yeah. outer branches, but mostly toward the trunk. But also, you got to remember, once the tree gets that big, there's not much light in inside there, right? So what happens is that the trees just naturally will drop a lot of needles because there's just no light. They, are, they don't have the sunlight to give them energy. So the, some of the some of them not even from spider mite. It could be just from from, from just so so much, especially in the bottom half of the tree. There's just no sunlight that gets in there. And uh, but otherwise, because uh, it needs sunlight to survive. Okay, those needles. And yeah, so, you know, uh, he's been he's been pouring water into it, and the neighbors have been coming by and saying, "Oh my God, that's a blue spruce." Finally, you know, because he's yep. finally looking after the tree and. Uh, yeah, so it, got, he has lots of that means he has that means he has lots of new growth. You see, and that's what's that's what's, that's you now to get rid of the spider mite. If you have lots of it, now one way you can detect if you have spider mite, just take put a piece of white paper on a on a clipboard, and go up there just where where the where the where they basically where the where all those um, uh, the needles are are disappearing and where the good needles are the just and tap the branch on a on a on your clipboard with white paper. And then just take the clipboard and just watch the little specks all move around. They're tiny, tiny little specks. And that's a good way you can see it on the white paper, whether you have a spider mite. And then the one way to get rid of spider mite 
is just blast cold water at them. They don't like that. That's why that's why during rainy years we don't have a very much problems with spider mite. It's in the hot, dry years that's when spider mites reproduce the best. And um, and then otherwise, you blast the cold water. You can use in the uh, things like uh, endol, which is canola oil, insecticidal soap, and a little bit of pyrethrin. Or you can use if you want to get a really good kill, you can use malathion. But then you have to mask up and you know put a respirator on and all that kind of stuff to you know protect yourself. And then uh, you can go and spray them with malathion, and that takes care of them pretty good. Well, I guess I'm going to be busy. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Thanks so much for the call, Paul. Thanks, Have a great day. Thank you, guys. Bye. Yep. All right, Rick, we also wanted to mention in Saskatoon today, uh, it is the household hazardous waste drop-off day, right? Yes, we have that in Saskatoon. It happens uh, one, two, three, four, five, six times a year. And yep. uh, the next one here is on July 11th, which is today. So from 9 o'clock to 3 p.m. in Saskatoon at the Civic Operations Center over on Valley Road. That's over by the landfill, yep. uh, the city landfill. And so what you can bring there, you can bring any aerosols, automotive fluids, batteries, cleaners, cylinders, light bulbs. You know, if you fluorescent oh, light yeah. bulbs, not uh, medications, yard chemicals, like you have some old chemicals you want to get rid of. This is the time uh, if you're a, if you're a homeowner in in Saskatoon, you have to be uh, uh, you have to have be able to pay taxes in Saskatoon to be able to do that here, and uh, and then you can bring it bring it to um, um, that that site there, and they will dispose of everything properly there. So this is free of charge. They don't charge you for dropping it off there. Uh, they just don't want people to put it into the garbage or dump it down the drain or do all those kind of things. They want to get rid of them. Now in Regina, the next one for Regina is September the 25th. So at the for Regina, but for Saskatoon, uh, this one here is uh, on July 11th. The next one is August the 8th. So it's a good way to get rid of some of those household items that are hazardous. And hazardous means that it is anything that uh, that says on the label: warning, corrosive, explosive, flammable, poisonous, or toxic. Okay, you can bring it to there and they'll dispose of it properly. Perfect. So there you go. Just in case you thought you were in for a nice, relaxing Sunday. (laughs) No, if you live in Saskatoon, it's time to clean out your garage. Uh, And and don't wait till 3.30 because a lot of times there's a lineup there. So get rid of that kind of stuff. Go nice and early. Do it. Run to the garage and clean it out. I also just wanted to quickly share this text. This is from Diane from Court for. Oh my goodness. Fort Quapel. Both a friend and myself tried the slice of onion with a potato seed to ward off potato bugs, but it yeah. didn't work for us. You know, that that's the second person that asked me that. So that's interesting. So I, I'm, I'm interested in seeing how many more people tried it and had good results or bad results. So hear that. Give us a call and let us, or text us, and let us know. That's Absolutely. Awesome. Perfect. All right. We're going to take a quick break for the news and we'll be right back. I'm Brittany Cafe here with Rick Van Dyvendyke and you're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Brittany Cafe here with Rick Van Dyvendyke. If you have a question, feel free to give us a call. The number is one 332 8255 Right now we have Larry on the line in Osler. Hi, Larry. Good morning. I have a couple fertilizer questions. If I were to mix some granular 2020 into a 1,000-liter tank, can I spray it on my garden? Can you spray it on your garden? Yeah, the the only thing you're gonna watch for you so you're gonna make a a, a water soluble twenty 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 and you're gonna spray it over top of the garden, right? Uh-huh. Uh huh. Wh- why wouldn't you want to water it into the garden rather than spray it on? Okay, I was just thinking in case I accidentally got it on the leaves. 
Okay, yeah, it's no problem as long as you don't go too strong. Go by the only the recommended doses because if you go too strong, you'll burn the leaves, right? If it's too uh-huh. weak, it's fine. But so you gotta gonna make sure that when you look at your twenty twenty twenty, it says so many mils per liter of water. Okay, so as long okay. as you don't, as long as you only go by the recommendation, then you're fine. But if you happen to just dump a whole bag in and you're way stronger than it should be, then you can burn the leaves. Yes. Okay. And what uh, fertilizer for potatoes? Can I use steer manure? Uh, yeah, but be careful not too much. Because if you put too much steer manure, you're going to get uh, what we call scab, okay? Potato right. scab. So, so put too much in, so very little. You can put a little bit in, but not a lot of, of manure, okay? So that that's then you will get scab. All right, thank you. Thanks so much, okay. Larry. All right, we've got Tracy on the line in Edenwald. Hi, Tracy. Hi. Um, I was wondering if I can add aged manure to my garden or until it index to the row, or if I have to wait until the fall when I harvest all my vegetables. What kind of manure was it you said? Uh, aged manure. Aged manure? Yeah, no. You can work it into the soil at any time. Uh, you know, it's, uh, the biggest thing, like like last caller, just watch your things like potatoes. If you put too much in, you can you can cause potato scab. But you know, if you're putting it in the top, usually it's not an issue. It's when you mix it in deeper and the and the and the manure is right beside the tubers of potatoes. That's when you're going to get get the scab. But working in the top of the soil, the plants will love it. Oh, wonderful. Okay, I was just I was wondering because my friend her garden is much farther along and. Uh, she planted about two weeks sooner than I, and she said she added the manure in the spring. Um, so I just wondered yeah, mo- maybe that. Most people yeah. rototill it because they rototill their whole garden. They put the manure on in the spring because then they can incorporate it right into the soil. But if you want to put some on top of the like compost or manure or whatever you want to do, you want to work it into the soil as the season goes along. It's not a problem at all. You just, you just can't rototill it. You can only just lightly work it in because obviously you're going to damage the carrots and everything else if you get too close, right? So right. Uh, that right, and if you could rototill down deep, you're going to cut all the roots up. So, so you just want to work it in lightly into the surface of the soil, and as you water, it'll just take all those nutrients down into the soil. So it's perfect. Oh, wonderful! Thanks so much. Perfect. Okay. Thanks yeah. for the call, Tracy. All right, now we have Loretta on the line in Saskatoon. Hi, Loretta. Hi. What's your I've question? I've got a couple of questions. Sure. Uh, we have a couple of zucchini plants. Yep. And one of them is fine. The other, they're both looking good, but the blossoms and the fruit that is setting is fine on one. On the other one, we've got blossom end rot, and some of the fruit is falling off. Okay, so what causes it? What do I do? Uh, blossom end rot is always caused by two things. Okay, number one is caused by inconsistent watering. So it might be the sprinklers hitting that one plant differently than the other one. Okay. The way the sprinklers are set up, and right. the other one is the other one is nutrients, like especially calcium, keeps the plant healthy, so that it can resist things like blossom and rot, right? But blossom and rot, number one cause, you can read it up as much as you want. It all number one cause for blossom and rot is inconsistent watering. So it's wet, dry, wet, dry, wet, dry. So it might be that uh, sometimes if you've got a drip system, you've got a, a little more water dripping on that plant than you do the other plants, right? Or yeah. not enough water. It could be a whole bunch of things. But uh, So it's nutrients and, and consistent watering, and you won't get blossom and rot. So you just get the powder with the calcium and dilute yeah, or, it? Or, 
or get a get a fertilizer. There's lots of for good for vegetable fertilizers out there right now that have a lot of calcium in it. Uh, even like I tell people that alfalfa pellet uh, has lots of calcium in it, and uh, there's also a lot of other types of uh, low nitrogen. You don't want to use a high nitrogen for vegetables gardens, okay? Low nitrogen, okay. and but it has a lot of the other micronutrients, not just calcium, uh, like boron, zinc, magnesium. All those kind of things keep the plant healthier. Just yes, like us, when, when we stay healthier, the plant we, we don't get as, as sick as much. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, okay. The other question was, we have cabbage that's just about ready to harvest, and we get maggots in the root. What do we do? Okay. Uh, if you've got maggots in the roots, uh, the best thing to use is called uh, uh, a grub buster nematode. So it's actually another little bug that you're putting into the soil that goes after them. Okay. Okay. And it works. It works really well, and it's but it's it's it comes in it comes in a little little ball, and then you mix it in water in a pail if you want. Or there's actually a nematode sprayer. It's a special sprayer so they don't clog up. And then you can spray wet your garden down first. Spray the nematodes down, and then the nematodes go down, and they attack things like cutworms, the maggots, all those kind of grubs that are in the soil. So, do you put that in when you notice the plant? Is wilting or before you even yeah, plant? You you put it in. You could put it in there before you even plant because if you know the bugs are there, they'll go after them right away. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much. Perfect. You're Thanks welcome. so much, Loretta. Okay, our lines are full right now, so we're going to do a little bit of a speed round. So we're going to okay, limit to right. to one question per caller. Right now, we have Mary in Regina. Hi, Mary. Hi. What's Hi. your question? Um, I have ferns, a lot of ferns in a shade garden, but yep. they, they're starting to turn brown. Like sometimes yep. it's the tip, sometimes it's like the top, sometimes it's the side or the bottom. Yeah, so it's, what it's can the, I do to prevent that? Just cause, just moisture. And because number one, it's just hot. It's 30 degrees in the shade right now. Okay. These last bunch of days. And so even though, even, even it probably started when we have that week of t- record temperatures, right? And so mm-hmm. it was there, it was like almost 42 44 degrees in the shade so just a matter of keeping them moist and uh and just a little bit extra moisture not too wet though but just a little extra moisture and that'll help them get through it but sometimes when it's this hot um even the shade plants have trouble okay okay thank you thanks so much mary all right ed in balgoni hi ed good morning a couple of questions on spruce trees Uh, the first one is uh uh, spruce trees uh, that are about 10 feet tall and the new growth on the top is dying off. It uh, yep, kind of turns wilted and then it uh, yep. turns out of a brownish or yellowish color and then yep. dies. So just just look at the spruce tip weevil, okay? Look, okay. look it up. It's it's a bug that that's that lays its egg, and the weevil right where the where the where the tip is goes down, and you got the next set of branches, first set of branches that come down from the tip. They actually lay their eggs there, and then they drill a hole into the stem, and then they mine on the inside. Okay, so the only way you can get rid of them is trim those because it's dead anyways. Trim them out right now because they're as a bore right in there right now. And if you if you leave them until later on in the summertime, they'll come out as a as an adult, go down into the ground, and then next year they start to cycle all over again. So you want to you want to trim it off. Take a look at the tip. If you still see the bore holes in it, then you need to cut down farther. And then you can pin up a new leader, okay, and then start a new leader. 
and uh, they're really hard to spray for because the cycle, you just don't know when they're going to come. So trim out that and then destroy it. Don't throw in the compost. Don't throw it on the ground. Actually burn it, put it in the garbage can, whatever. Get it out of your yard, that piece that you pieces that you cut off, okay? Okay. And the other question is, got some little spruce trees that are about two feet high, and they're turning brown on the, mostly on the north side. If they're turning brown on the north side... Uh, it probably happened from last winter time, okay? And it, okay. It, starts show, it shows up in June, so it had some winter damage. So make sure you give it one last fertilizing now, okay, to get them to, to, have, to have that greening up. And then next year you need to do the fertilizing around May the 10th and, and then every three weeks until July the 15th. But you've got to stop around July the 15th. And also add some sulfur to your – get a fertilizer that has some sulfur or add some aluminum sulfate. It'll make the plants hardier and because your pH is probably too high. You probably have alkaline soil. And then your plants uh, will be a lot hardier if you can bring the pH down to about 6.5 to 7. You'll have a lot less issues with those little spruces. Okay? Okay. Thank you very much. Perfect. Thanks so much, Ed. All right. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back to answer the rest of your questions. Uh, my name is Brittany Cafe. I'm here with Rick Van Dyvendyke. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Brittany Cafe here with Rick Van Dyvendyke. If you've got a question, we do have one open line. The number is one 877 Because we do have so many people waiting, we're just going to ask that you guys just ask one question because we want to get to everybody. Uh, right now we have Ian in Saskatoon. Hi, Ian. Hi, good morning. Uh, Rick, I did something different this year with my cherry tomatoes and my hot peppers that I keep in pots. I use bone meal when I plant it. And yep. now, um, so we're about six weeks in, and when I, I start using fertilizer, like look at my plant prod and my miracle Grow, the high number for the tomato ones is the third one, not the second one. So yep. do I um, use that, those two uh, fertilizers plus add in a, some bone meal on its own? Is that how you get the phosphorus into it? Yeah, the, the, well, the phosphorus... Um like the plants don't need a whole lot of phosphorus okay phosphorus doesn't get leached out of the soil when you're watering so much just more like like nitrogen does okay so the third number is potassium potassium makes the plant stronger healthier and resist diseases okay uh and uh so then phosphor the potassium is a good thing there's a lot of People think that they don't need potassium because we have lots of potassium in the soil, but you got to remember potash, when they dig it up, it's a kilometer into the ground, right? So it's not in our gardens. And so um, we're actually, most of our gardens, when I've done testing, is that we're lacking potash in our soils, and that's why you need to add it. So actually the lower, lower the, the second number, you only need about anywhere from two to eight for the second number, Okay. You don't have to have you don't have to have thirty because thirty I like a fifteen thirty fifteen I would use for my flowers but I wouldn't necessarily use it for my vegetables, okay. okay. And so um, so otherwise, yeah, you can um, uh, don't worry about that second number being that high because once it's in the soil, it tend, generally tends to stay there pretty pretty good. Like we in our in our greenhouse uh, for even for our flowers, I use a twenty two twenty. That's what I use. And uh, so I don't have to have a, uh, what I'll do is I'll load it up in the spring with uh, with uh, uh, like a 1530, uh, 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 sorry, uh, 
15, 30, 15. But then right. after I load load up my pots in the spring, like all my hanging baskets, then I go down to a two for a second number. So don't yeah. worry so much about the phosphorus. Okay, thank you. Perfect. Thanks okay. so much, Ian. All right, we have Lori in Saskatoon. Hi, Lori. Hi. Um, I just was, my first question is, does diatomaceous earth come in a food grade or is it food grade? Yeah, it, it comes in a food grade as well. Like you'll, some will say diatomaceous earth. We have some that says food grade diatomaceous earth as well. So, uh, but diatomaceous go... earth, you got to remember diatomaceous earth is basically crushed up seashells. Okay. So the only time yeah. you really want to be careful with it is when you're putting it, when you're, when you're puffing it out on the ground, you don't want to breathe it in. So put a mask right. on when you do that because you don't want obviously crushed up seashells in your lungs, right? So after it's on the ground, it's it's totally organic and safe and everything else. Just when you're actually okay. applying it, that's when you got to watch out for diatomaceous earth because you you don't want to breathe in the dust. Okay, so they're basically the same thing. Basically, there but there is a food grade, and I'm not sure why. I'm not sure why they say actually food grade. It's a different company that makes it, so that might be just oh. a thing they put onto it, you know. Uh, but okay. otherwise, there is what they call a food grade, and I haven't really looked in why one says food grade and one doesn't. It, but it's two different companies, so I, I'm not really sure. Okay, and will ant okay. out say that it has nematodes in it, or is yeah, it it's ant out? It, it's called ant out. It has to say nematodes. It's a little round oh. ball. Okay, it's a little. It, it's, oh. it comes in a. It comes in a red. It's a red round ball. Okay, you can't okay. miss it. It's not in a not in a regular you know chemical container or anything else. It's a round ball, and so it, it okay. says nematodes right on it. Okay, thank you. Perfect. Thanks You're so welcome. much, Lori. All right, we have Dave in Saskatoon. Hi, Dave. Oh, good morning. Uh, yes, I have a. Um, Saskatoon bush at the back, and it looked like it caught COVID. The uh, berries are <laughs> half, half fine, but the other half uh, have almost, uh, uh, they haven't matured, and uh, there's almost little spikes on it. Yeah. I'm wondering, I've seen that in the wild in past years, but uh, not to the degree I have it this year. And uh, everybody, I'm wondering if everybody, I can do anything. Almost. Almost everybody has it. It's a fungal that came out, and it comes out in hot, humid years, okay? Uh, so what you have to do is, basically, you're going to have to do is don't leave all those berries on the plant. Pick them and get rid of them. Because if it goes into the ground, okay, then what's going to happen, and, and, and it's going to come back up into the plant the next year again, okay, if it's the same conditions. Also, in the fall, you want to rake up all your leaves and don't use them for compost. You need to get them out of the yard, okay? That's important. And also you can spray, um, once you finish picking the good berries off, because that's right where you're in harvest time right now, is that then spray your plant with Bordeaux or copper spray. And then next spring, spray them after they finish blooming and in 10 days again. And then you won't have that issue next year. Okay, thank you very okay. much. Thanks so much for the call, Dave. Okay, we're just going to take care of a couple of quick texts here. We only have about a minute left. Uh, this one is from Susan. I just transplanted two large spireas. They've been in the same place for many years. What can I do now to give them the best chance of survival? Okay, trim them back about in half, okay? Trim them back in half. If you move them just now, trim them back in half. Give them less leaves for this kind of heat, okay? Yeah. And then put put some kind of shade over top of them. I don't care. Put a chair over top of them, whatever. So if the sun's not hitting on them directly, 
Okay, put some, you know, put up a little stand, put some burlap over top, put an umbrella over top of them, whatever. Give them some shade and then just keep them moist, okay? And so then they'll, they'll come through it. But uh, that the biggest thing is not letting the sun go directly on them if you transplanted. If you took a really big ball of earth with them, they probably will be okay. But if they came almost bare root, they're going to be in trouble. Definitely. All right. We're going to take a quick break. I'm Brittany Cafe here with Rick Van Dyvendyke, and you're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME.